Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 5. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We have been getting a glimpse of glory, a hint of heaven. In chapters 4 and 5, we have been in heaven with John the Apostle. You know that John is the writer of the book of Revelation. And as we began our study last week in chapter 5, we were looking at the scroll that was in the hand of the Father who was sitting on the throne. And we heard the cry of the angels as they said, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose the seven seals? But no one was found worthy in heaven, earth, or under the earth. And what happened? What did John do? He wept much, the Bible says. John sobbed convulsively. But then one of the angels came to him and said, Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah has been found worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals. And John then turns and and he begins looking for this, this lion, but instead he sees a lamb as though it had been slain. And get this, at that point, at that moment, worship erupts in heaven. Now last week we titled... The sermon, the greatest real estate deal in history. As Jesus came to be the Goel, the Redeemer, the kinsman Redeemer who came to buy back or to redeem the earth. The greatest real estate deal in history was the title of last week's message. This week, we could title this message, The Greatest Worship Service in History. The greatest worship service in history, it is the greatest, the biggest, the most awesomest, that's a word, I think, the most awesome worship service ever. There are millions upon millions upon millions gathered around the throne worshiping the Lord because the lamb was found worthy to take the scroll. So John is weeping. And when he sees, he turns to see the slain lamb who is worthy to take the scroll. Worship just begins in in heaven. The weeping ends and the praise begins. And all of creation join their voices in a new song to the lamb. Interesting. Now this morning, as I said, all of creation erupts into worship. This morning, I'd like to take a look at three eruptions of praise in heaven. Three eruptions of praise in heaven. First of all, if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, the 24 elders break forth into praise. Oh, we find that in verses 8 through 10. 
The 24 elders, they just burst forth into praise. And then secondly, the angels, they break forth into praise. We find that in verses 11 and 12. The elders praise, the angels praise. And then finally, the grand finale. All of creation joins in worship and praise to the Lamb. We find that in verses 13 and 14. The 24 elders, the angels, and all of creation joins in worship and praise to the Lamb. So this morning, Revelation chapter 5, let us pick up in verses 8 through 10. If you're there, would you say a hearty amen? Now, when he had taken the scroll, he who, he who, the lamb, Jesus, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp, an instrument, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Notice how many times the writer John says us, you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to, to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Give me your attention, if you will. Note the elders worship when Jesus steps forward to take the scroll. The response is immediate. The elders fall down and they begin to sing a song of redemption. They begin to sing the song of the redeemed. They fall down and they worship. Now, let me before we get into this, let me ask you a question. How important is worship to you? No need to answer out loud, just put it out there. How important is worship to you? It is sad but true, some people, sadly, worship isn't important at all. That's sad. Worship's not important at all. I mean, some people view worship like Christian calisthenics. You know, like when I go to the gym, before I start working out with the heavy weights and stuff, and because, you know, I have these massive biceps. <laughs> and I started working out, you know, I'm going to do my workout thing. I, I warm up first. And, and I have to warm You know, you stretch. You know, you just kind of, you know, do a little stretch, a little hamstring stretch. You just stretch, you know, eat a donut, stretch a bit, you know. <laughs> You know, you got to stretch things out. You got to kind of warm it up, you know. You know, eating a donut's good. It's sugar, it's energy, you know, to slam a donut down, maybe two, 12 donuts, whatever. And you stretch and you work out, and it's just kind of a warm-up for you so that you can get the blood flowing. Well, unfortunately, sad but true, but some Christians view worship like it's a warm-up. Just so we can get the spiritual blood flowing, if you will. And then some people view worship as purely preparatory. It's just the prep work before the Bible study. Just prep. And I agree that worship is preparatory, but not purely or just preparatory. 
Some view worship as time filler. It's a time to get your car apart, go to the bathroom, get a drink of water, talk at the cafe. You know, it's just time filler. And I mean, we're just waiting for Pastor Rodney to get in the pulpit and start teaching the word, get to the important stuff. So worship, you know, we'll just stay out there and worship. We'll just stay out there and talk to our friends until the, I hear the Bible study start and then I'll run in. Some think worship is time filler. And some believe worship and view worship as a ritual. That is just what we do at church. It's in the before we start church manual. You sing songs. You do stuff before you actually start the church. And in sad but true, some people view worship as a waste of time. And some think worship, they just don't get it. This worship thing, I just don't get it. I recently read a story of a woman who was in church and she's standing with her eyes closed and her hands are raised and she's in prayer and praise and she's worshiping the Lord. And in the seat in front of her was a three-year-old boy who looked at her with her hands raised and her eyes closed and she's just kind of standing there in this way and the boy looked at her and he gave her a high five. (laughs) Hmm. I don't think he got it. And many people, they just don't get it. John chapter 4, verse 23. Jesus is having a conversation about worship with a woman at the well. You know the story. And Jesus makes this astonishing. It literally is astonishing, especially to this woman, this astonishing and remarkable statement. He said, but the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Note this, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. Interesting. The Father is seeking such to worship him. Now, just as a side note, this is the only place in the Bible where Jesus, where God the Father is seeking something. Yeah, we do know that he is seeking to save the lost. We know that. But after you're saved, this is the only thing that God is seeking. You know what he's seeking? He's seeking worshipers. He's seeking men and women who will simply be worshipers. He's seeking men and women who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, let me tell you something. Let me share something with you. The only reason, the only reason, the number one, numero uno reason that you and I exist, the only reason that the church exists, the only reason that you still have breath in your body, get this, is that you might worship the Lamb. That's the only reason we exist. The only reason that God allows us to to live on the earth because he has created us that we might be able to worship because the father is seeking such to worship him. And when we are not worshiping the Lord, let me tell you something. If you're a Christian, if you're not worshiping the Lord, there are many, many obstacles in your way. I was in a prayer meeting yesterday and the brother began, this brother just began to pray, Lord, remove the obstacles. May we worship you that the obstacles might be removed. And I I don't even know if he knows, but that was really, really profound. 
it was profound because worship removes the obstacles in your life. Why? Because we were created to worship. God created you to worship. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. We were created to worship. The church is exist that we might worship Jesus. Now, it's unfortunate that some people have mixed up, if you will, or confused, if you will, the purpose and the meaning of the church. Some believe that the purpose of the church is evangelism. And they'll say, they have asked me, Pastor Rodney, how come you don't have more altar calls in this church? You know, you never have an altar call here. How come you don't have an altar call? I mean, we need to be evangelizing the church and getting people out there and to go and preach the gospel and evangelizing the world. And how come you don't have more altar calls? I don't believe that the church, the purpose of the church is that we might evangelize or that the purpose of the church is outreach. And they'll tell you, you know, some people will make you feel bad if you're not bringing people to church. How come you guys aren't evangelizing and bringing people to church and we're going to have bike Sunday. If you bring a person to church, we'll, you know, give you a bike. <laughs> Why? So you can ride home with your visitor? I mean, I don't get it. You know, and we need to be evangelizing, they'll tell you. And the outreach, 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 bring people to church. Listen, the purpose of the church is not outreach. Don't misunderstand me. Yes, Jesus said the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel. I agree with that, and I think that is a function that we need to be doing. No question about it. I don't dispute that in any way. Some believe that the, the purpose of the church is Ephesians chapter 4, where it says we ought to be equipping the saints. In other words, in reach. We need to be... Strengthening each other and equipping the saints and praying for each other and helping each other. And that's in reach. And that's good also. I believe Ephesians chapter 4. We need to be equipping the saints. But I don't believe that in reach nor outreach is the purpose and the function of the church. The church exists for one sole reason. And it isn't outreach and it isn't in reach. Guess what? It's upreach. Amen? It's to worship Jesus. It's to give honor and to give glory to God. That's why we exist. It's to reach up and to praise the Lord. And what happens is, this is kind of how it happens. What happens is, when you are worshiping God, when you are giving glory to God, when you are upreaching to the Lord and praising the Lord, you know what happens? Outreach and inreach happen automatically. It just does. I mean, when you're worshiping Jesus and giving honor and glory to God, you know what happens? Nobody has to tell you to go out and tell your friends to come to church. You'll leave a worship service and you're singing songs and loving Jesus in a time of worship and a time of praise. And you know what? You'll walk out that door and the first person you meet, you'll say, man, you, man I just left church. It was awesome. Do you know the Lord? Are you a Christian? You'll start to evangelize. Hey, you need to come to our church. You need to go to the church down where you live. Or you'll start that evangelism process will just begin. And nobody has to offer you a bike so that that can go happen. No, no, no. And it won't happen that way. If you are worshiping, if it's about upreach, guess what? Inreach will happen. Because you'll just start, you'll be like, oh, I love Jesus. I worship Jesus. And after service, hey, bro, how you doing, man? 
I'm not, not good, you know, I'm just saying, well, let's pray. Oh, well, you know, the word says here, and then you start equipping the saints. Look at the word right here. This is what God has to say. This is great. This is awesome. That doesn't happen by forcing it. It happens by upreach, by loving Jesus and worshiping Jesus, and then outreach and inreach automatically happens. And then I want you to notice something in the text. Notice when the worship happened. Notice it wasn't that they were encouraged to worship or that the music was really good. You know, oftentimes we can only worship when the music's really good. You know, worshipers are worshipers, amen? Worshipers can worship if somebody's up here playing spoons. <laughs> I could sing of your love forever. Yes, Lord. Woo, that was awesome. Up here playing the, uh, what do you call the washboard? You know? <laughs> I could sing of your love. Be, why? Because worship, because, because, because worship is who you are. Worship is just who you are. He's looking for worshipers. He's not looking for people to worship. He's looking for worshipers. And notice when it happened. Not when they were encouraged to. Not when the music was really good. True worship happened when they saw the slain lamb. True worship is a response to a completed act. And how can you not worship? How can you not lift or clap your hands or bow your knee or sing loudly when you realize what Jesus has done for you? How can you not? You know, sometime on Sunday morning or even just whenever I'm here, sometimes I see all you guys gather and, and I know what God has done in this church. I know the prayers that many and I have prayed for this church and prayed for many of you before you ever came here. And I see what God has done in this church. God has done a great work in this church. He's done a great work. God's done a great job. Yeah, give the Lord a hand. That's okay. That's all right because, because the Lord really has done, he's done a great work here. And, and so when I stand here and I'm looking at you guys and, and I just start weeping. And sometimes coming out of worship, I can't say a word. And I just stand here. And the Lord just touched my heart. Why? Because, because of what he's done. Because God has been so good to Rodney. God has been so good to this church. God has been so good to every one of you. How can you not be overwhelmed when you see what the slain lamb has done for you? How can I not? How can I not lift my hands and clap my hands? You know, some people worship with more intensity than others. And we look at them, you know, and we think, you know, that's a bit much, don't you think? Oh, well, he's into it, isn't he? And we do. And you don't know. You don't know. You don't know what God has done in that person's life. You don't know. You don't know how God has touched their hearts. You don't know how God has changed them. You don't know how God has healed them. You don't know how God has delivered them. You don't know how God has radically, radically, radically saved that person. You don't know. And man, I wish we had a little bit of that, some of us of that intensity and that passion about worship. Because listen, that is what the program of heaven is all about. It is all about worship. It's all about worship. And you know what? We need to get with the program. Fellas, gents, 
We need to get with the program. You know, men are like that now. Men are like, well, you know, I'm not really into worship. You know, in the song, I can sing of your love forever. I can sing of your love forever. Over the mountains and the sea, your river runs with love for me. Fellas, listen, listen, worship is not a girly thing. All right, I said it. There you go. Worship is not a girly thing. It is, it's, it's a God thing. It's a Holy Spirit thing. And we need to be people who are passionate about work. Ladies, lest I not exclude you, let it not be said I exclude anyone. We need to be people, men and women, who worship because that is what worship is all about. And that's what the Lord wants from us. He wants us to be worshipers. And you will become an engaged worshiper when you see the slain lamb. Now, I want to point out for you really briefly this morning three things that we can learn about worship. Would you write these down? I want to point out three things that we can learn about worship in heaven. Number one, number one, worship involves prayer. Worship involves prayer. Number two, worship involves instruments. You see that in the harps that they had in their hands. And thirdly, last but certainly not least, worship involves singing a new song. Worship involves prayer, worship involves instruments, and worship involves singing a new song. Notice, first of all, worship involves prayer. We see that in verse 8. Notice they had in their hands, did you see the 24 elders and the four living creatures? They had in their hands golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Notice these golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers. This is a picture of prayer rising to the throne of God. These are the long-standing prayers of God's people, and they are so precious to God that he puts them in these golden bowls. Mom, Dad, God hears your prayers for your unsaved child. Husbands, wife. God hears the prayers of your, for your unsaved spouse. Don't be discouraged. And he keeps those prayers in these golden bowls. It just speaks of, it's so precious to God. It's like you take something that's precious and put it in gold. It speaks of the fact that it's precious. Your prayers are precious to the Father. Now, when we get to chapter 6 and chapter 8, we'll talk more about the incense prayers of the saints. Well, not only does worship involve prayer, but secondly, worship involves instruments. Again, in verse 8, did you notice the four living creatures, the 24 elders, what did they have in their hands? Harps, harps in their hands. Now, this is, must be where Hollywood gets the cute little naked babies with harps in their hands floating around in heaven. This must be where they get it from. Worship involves instruments. And it always has. Even in the Old Testament, we find that as the children of Israel went to worship or they went into battle, they went into worship and battle carrying instruments and singing unto the Lord. 
Interesting. Many times the worship team would lead the children of Israel into battle with instruments and worship music. First Chronicles 25 tells us that David assembled 288 singers and musicians on the worship team to lead Israel's worship. Can you imagine 288 singers and musicians? It's huge as they worshiped the Father. Now, there are some denominations that believe there shouldn't be any music or instruments during a worship service. They believe that it should just be singing. What we find in the Bible, when God's people went into worship and God's people went into battle, they went in with instruments and music and singing. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.